Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. I'm Michael Curzon, um, but I'm not joined by all of the regular guests today. We are uh, cut down by a third. Um, you'll be pleased to hear uh, who it is we have and <laughs> who it is that's missing, perhaps, or others maybe not. Uh, but anyway, I'm still joined by SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? I'm good, Michael. I'm looking forward to our little um, little gallivant tomorrow. Absolutely. With the uh, all the Bournebrookers are are meeting up together, uh, most of them anyway, and um, yeah, we'll be okay. having a having a good time, hopefully, which will be yeah, nice. Yeah. We're uh, we're going to a, we're going to a Schubert concert tomorrow. Yeah, well, that was by chance, wasn't it? We were meeting yeah. tomorrow, and that, that happened to be going on. So we, I mean, that shows how uh, what a what a great fun group we are. We have a a night out at a Schubert place. Well, maybe that's just lack of choice. We probably feared that if we tried going anywhere else, we'd be banned because of vaccine status. Um, <laughs> we can always, always trust being able to go to a concert like that. Or maybe not. Um, but yes, Luke isn't here today anyway, because the gist of the excuse was that, it was that he was playing darts late last night, which actually is admirable. That's fair enough. There was something said about work as well, but we'll, we'll gloss over that part and pretend he was just, you know, gallivanting about um, but that doesn't mean that the, the episode is going to be any less dreary. It's still uh, the same old triple whammy of COVID stories this week, which is becoming quite a staple for the Week in Review, but that's just the, the nature of our times. Um, and you know, no prizes again for the uh, guessing the stories that we're talking about. We're talking obviously about the vaccination of children slightly later on, which is likely to begin uh, next week also vaccine passports um, both here and abroad but we'll start with something that was announced this week which is the the winter plan and the sort of the plan a plan b and plan c scenario of, of how the government is going to respond to uh, case numbers and hospitalization numbers and death numbers this winter um, which essentially boils down to if the booster vaccine rollout which is beginning and vaccination of, of young, healthy teenagers goes well and cases remain low. And by the way, low in, in, in air quotes, because there's never been an, an actual number put to this. We're sort of left to guess at what exactly low means. Then we'll carry on as we are. If not, we go to plan B, mask mandates, vaccine passports, also possibly vaccine passports in pubs, which we'll, we'll come back to. And if even that's not enough, uh, then Plan C will be in force, which is essentially another national lockdown. So we thought this was all over. We've had Freedom Day. We've had vaccine passport plans scrapped. Face masks have been scrapped, yet all of these things are still very much hanging over our heads, can be brought back in at the moment on a whim, really. Again, not because of some actual set quota, but because of the way people feel, because of the fear that's being spread by some of the, the experts close to the government, nothing really, as far as I can tell, has changed. No, of course not. And um, again, it comes back to that thing once again, is that the reason this won't change is because the COVID Act is still on the books. Yeah. The, the government does simply just has rule by decree, and they've had rule by decree since March of last year. So it, it doesn't matter what happens um tangibly and out in the real world the government can do as whatever it likes with whatever figures it likes and those figures are always um 
not as conclusive as they appear to be. You know, we 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 know that death figures are inflated. We know that case figures are inflated by uh, faulty testing and um, high false positive rates. We we've seen even anecdotes like uh, like kids have been getting off school by by pouring coke into their into their COVID tests. You know, yeah. The, um, it's the the numbers can be manipulated, but only in a way that boosts rather than minimalizes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my thoughts, by the way, quickly on the whole, you know, as you say, children were pouring Coke or I think it might have been orange squash as well, all sorts of things onto the lateral flow test to get it to show positive. Now, I, I doubt that many people actually did that, although it is sort of something that happened. It won't have affected the numbers too drastically. But one thing to bear in mind there is that we're told not to do a lateral flow test uh, within 30 minutes of having consumed something. So say if you don't know that because you don't read the instructions, which let's be honest, nobody does. Um, you you drink your, your morning orange squash or your Coke in, in many families in Britain, I dare say. Um, and then two moments later, you take your lateral flow test because you've got to go to school. Now, I imagine because traces of it are still all around you that the same result could be produced as if you just pulled the thing on. So it, that's worth bearing in mind to those who might say, oh, but only a small portion of children might be doing this. Actually, a lot of children and adults might not be aware that you're not supposed to drink these liquids shortly before and so might be inadvertently uh, getting the, the wrong result as a result of that. Um, and I think one, one story which is worth bringing up here, as I said, the government... Um, and the health sector in particular has been really coy purposefully as well, we know, um, about what exactly it is that will lead to plan B being imposed. Same with vaccine passports as well in pubs. He said, we're not ruling it out. They could come in if something happens. That's a quote. If something happens that could, you know, really change the situation. What does something mean that, you know, that is so useless as a remark as to be painful what does it mean what is it this something and and what number of cases are we looking for what number of hospitalizations we're told if the nhs is under too much pressure but you know there's a there's a good graphic of uh, guardian headlines over the past sort of two decades which says the nhs is always in uh, chaos uh, at winter and say if hospitalizations do increase to some high number figures today as as the mail online reports um show that almost a quarter of people who are listed as COVID inpatients are actually in hospital with something else. They're there for a completely different reason. They happen to pick up COVID while they're there, um, but then are still listed as being a COVID hospitalization. So it's, it's a complete falsification, these numbers are, because they're, they're just not true. It's, it really skews it. And um, given what um, could happen as a result of that skewing. The fact that these inflated figures could lead to another lockdown or vaccine passports or more mass mandates just shows how dangerous um, these figures are. Yet we still go by them as gospel. I'm sure, though I don't actually watch it anymore, admittedly, that the BBC news cycles today still have them on long display. And that, that's really worrying. Well, the, the, the something happening in air quotes is just whatever is opportune for these people to introduce another lockdown. It's it's important to note with this, the the, 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 the sage types is that they are technocrats in the purest sense of the word. And they, they, they have this skewed and almost inhuman understanding of society that it's not made up of, you know, complex individuals with lives and interests and patterns of their own, but it's as small, you know, infinitesimal digits who can be manipulated. You know, this is, you know, it's, um, 
it's why someone like someone like Bill Gates is so interested in this. You know, someone who's a who's a programmer. You know, who's who's whose language is ones and zeros, not 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 the nuances of human character. Um, these people love to sort of you know do little do these experiments, um, and they're just waiting for an opportune opportune time. These people just they absolutely love and are high on and are addicted to the power that they've been afforded, and to think that they're going to give it up just because the numbers aren't going their way is is a, is a fantasy. Yeah, I mean, one of the other sort of numbers which has been, and we, we talked about this earlier, one of the other scare tactics that is constantly used. You said, Sam, if you're having a debate with someone and say, oh, I don't want to get vaccinated because I think if I were to get COVID, I'll recover from it easily anyway. You said their top Trump always, the one they say till the end is, ah, but long COVID. And it's hard to come back to that, or at least people believed it might have been, because it's long COVID. You can't. We, we don't yet know what the really long-term effects might be because we've not been in it for long enough. Um, but again, a, a study um, published earlier this week, I believe by the Office for National Statistics, said that more than half of people with long COVID, quote marks with, don't have long COVID. It's because the symptoms of long COVID are so broad, they're so wide, that so many people who are listed as having it really just have a normal bout of ill health. Uh, for a completely different reason, just something that would naturally occur in their life cycle, being listed as long COVID, more than half. And also with children, say with the, the vaccination of children, we say, oh, well, children aren't at risk of COVID. Uh, and actually, they're more at risk of vaccination. Again, people say, ah, but long COVID, it might affect the rest of their lives. These are young children. We don't want to ruin the what could be 60 years ahead of them. But again, we find that typically children recover from so-called long COVID within two to three months. And that it's very rare for, for um, symptoms to be carrying on beyond this time. And even in those cases where the symptoms carry on beyond that time, are we sure that those symptoms are specifically a result of long COVID? Or is it, again, just another normal bout of ill health? I mean, especially after a year of children being locked inside and, uh, you know, we hear of, of, of really young children, babies even, um, developing weaker immune systems because they haven't had normal um, viruses or other illnesses, say, passed on to them because they've been isolated this whole time. Maybe they're spending longer being in ill health because of all of this. It's not inconceivable. So, mm. yeah, these, these top Trump arguments just, just fall apart when properly scrutinised. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's I I know it's a trope at this point to say, you know, insert blank is the real pandemic. But I mean, that that's kind of undeniable at this point where this just hysterical hypochondria is just it's become not only a pandemic, but also a, a sort of a quasi religion. Mm. You know, um, when when we did our, our, our editorial article a few months back for Bornbrook about um, we, we analyzed different parts of society and how they've added to this. Um, one of the things that that we um, we spoke about about um, about the public is that they've taken on this attitude that um, anything that could possibly be done to mitigate the threat of COVID is justified, including you know a whole sway of completely inhuman measures, um, and and that's what's happening. It's, it's been pathologized. It's been and you said too. You know the the the, the guilt the the guilting and the gaslighting is so immense that if you if you voice any opposition to kids being jabbed or not being jabbed yourself you will be completely dehumanized yeah 
Well, as you say, it's all those who are making the decisions are playing it as a numbers game. So, you know, I think we've we've probably used the example so many times. But when you when you hear of people, relatives being dragged apart at funerals, you think how inhuman that is. But to other people, that's a potential case number. That's possibly increasing the number of cases by two in that day. And that's really disastrous. And when, you know, the example of the, the old woman who, uh, given the choice to have either one of her four children at a deathbed or none of them, went with none so she didn't have to separate the others and, and create uh, pain for the others. The people who put in that rule are thinking again of numbers. They're thinking, well, hang on, we could be having four COVID cases rather than just one here. So it's, they don't, they're, they're not considering the, the aspects other than uh, simple COVID numbers, which is why it was so, I mean, I say amusing, but really depressing when Chris Whitty came out and said, oh, we must vaccinate children uh, because of their mental health. You think, well, hang on a minute. You've just spent the past 18 months advising a very long list of measures which are incredibly damaging to children's mental health. And now all of a sudden you pretend to care. Also made me laugh actually when I read, I mean, we're going into the second topic here, but that's just, that's fine. When I read earlier this week that um, if there are anti-child vaccination protests outside of schools or say parents of young teenagers at schools holding banners outside of school gates, then heads have been told to call the police. Now, it, that, um, the image of a, a child's parent being dragged away by the police because they're, they're peacefully holding a banner uh, did make me question uh, how much the authorities care about that young child's mental health once again. But, of course, they don't, they don't understand that point. It, it, just about the numbers, uh, making sure that the, the cases are going down, the vaccination's going up. That's about all that makes them happy in life. Look, we, we, we need to just call this thing what it is, which, which is abject evil, right? Yeah. Tell, telling kids for the last year and a half, don't see your friends, cover your face, don't go near anyone, go, go to school, do what you need to do, then come straight back home and then lock yourself in your house, right? Wear, wear a mask. And, and they, they've got the gall to say that injecting them with something that they don't need for a virus that is no, not in any way a threat to them. Is good for their mental health. It's it's ridiculous. And bear in mind that this is the ratchet, right? Because it, it isn't just going to be two jabs, as we've already mentioned. Booster jabs are coming in. You know that's coming for kids too. You know at what point? Because you know because two things are kind of diverging here. Um, one is you know this 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 cult of vaccination, and the other is this this mental health discourse, which is pretty the opposite of good mental health, right? They're they're constantly sort of knocking those two into the heads of kids and now they get to the point where you know oh you aren't getting your fourth booster shot what what do you do you want bad mental health you know like it's it's this gaslighting was egregious when it was aimed at adults but when it's aimed at kids who can't rationalize their way out of it who are instinctively trusting of the adult in the room it's it, it's it's so awful yeah and even worse when you consider that those children are, are um well, or rather, the parents of these children who are being manipulated in this way are told they can't even have a say on it, uh, that their, their 13, 14, 15-year-old child is competent enough to make such a decision by themselves, which is ludicrous. Um, well, it's... We, we, we mentioned this last week, which is that the regime will always separate kids from their parents. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, uh, I find it interesting, actually, that the... I mean, I think the vaccination of children has actually become quite a, a, a contended debate. You know, it's 
there are a lot of people who are against it, which, considering how high vaccination uptake is in this country, is interesting. It shows that even, you know, the, the whole idea that we're, that people are anti-vaxxers um, and refuseniks and all of this nonsense clearly doesn't work when it comes to the vaccination of children. In fact, on The Daily Skeptic, I think it was published today, there's an article by a, a senior executive of a major pharmaceutical company. And he writes at the beginning, really good read, actually. He says, um, you know, I think that some of the three best inventions, well, I'm going to say three, but I've forgotten the third. Let's say the two best inventions in the world among the three best are clean water and vaccines. He thinks it's really important in life. That's his point. But he's still massively against the vaccination of children against COVID because he says in this case, the, the whole uh, risk-benefit scenario just hasn't um, been looked at properly or rather it's been ignored by the government and they've come up with all sorts of other reasons uh, to vaccinate children, as we said, with the mental health point. So you say people who are against this aren't anti-vaxxers by any uh, stretch of imagination. They're just people who realise their children aren't at risk of being harmed from COVID. The, the long COVID uh, scare story is, you know, to a large extent, bogus. Um, and that they could actually be at more risk of harm from the vaccine itself than just from getting COVID. Well, bear in mind, Michael, that they, they've changed the definition of anti-vaxxer from um, to, to name someone who also opposes the, uh, the the mandation of vaccines. Yes, yeah, I saw that, um, which is just ludicrous, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. it's a pretty good point to go into um, the, uh, the 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 continental problem. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, well, I think we'll start at home quickly first, which is um, talking about Wales. Now, as we said vaccine passports i still think they will come in in this country um the ministers are certainly still hinting at it um it's it's very much a possibility but somewhere where it's not just a possibility but definite as we learned earlier today uh not to our surprise uh, is the vaccine passports or or i think actually covid passes as they are i think i think that um they soften testing they soften the language Yes. Yeah. I think recent testing might be included in it or perhaps recent recovery from the virus. Um, Although, of course, it's still uh, a way of pushing people into getting vaccinated because it's basically saying, do you want to um, test every week, twice a week? Maybe do you really want to do that? Do you want to go out to the effort, go down to the shop all the time, get new tests, show us these new tests, wait half an hour for each one. It's a way of saying to people, just get the vaccine. It's far easier. Do as you're supposed to. Um, so yes, they're coming in in Wales, nightclubs, large events. Um, and in the press conference, I listened to about two minutes of it before turning off. Uh, the the first minister, I think he is, what's his name? Uh, Drakeford, Mark Drakeford, was saying, you know, we're very grateful to the nightclub industry and to others in the large event industry for having put in all the measures they've done, all the COVID safety measures, um, everything they've they've tried to do to make it better. And then sort of after after congratulating them and thanking them, spat in their faces by saying, but we're introducing these because nightclubs are inherently areas where people get close and, and all this. So that's what's happening there. But um, maybe you'd like to talk about what's happening on the continent as well, which shows that we're we're really not alone in all this. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, don't uh, don't ever doubt the ability for the for the continent to go more extreme than us. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know the uh i mean bear in mind the the 
possibly the the, the very root of uh, English conservatism is a is a objection to revolutionary bloodshed on the continent. So um, we we do we do tend to sort of be a little bit behind the continent on 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 darker matters, which is a good thing for us. But yeah, no, the um, so in 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 France now, three thousand health staff have been um, dismissed from their jobs for for not being jabbed. Yeah. So this was, it, it was sort of, I think there was a deadline, wasn't there, where if you didn't get vaccinated up to a point, then uh, that might have even been extended. There's certainly a country, it might not have been France, but there was a country, I'm pretty sure it was on the continent, where thousands of people protested against the mandatory vaccine rules. And the government said, oh, OK, we understand your concerns. So we'll extend the deadline for you to give you more time to get vaccinated, which <laughs> very, does, very much doesn't uh, respond in any way to the concerns. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it shows that, you know, people all along have been saying, especially with vaccine passports in this country, oh, it's just being said to scare people into getting vaccinated. And that I think actually is probably my opinion on what they're saying with vaccine passports, that they're, they're doing it just to scare people. But at the same time, they do mean it. They will, they do have the goal to actually put their, their, their fist down if push comes to shove, um, which is worrying given all the, the things that have been suggested. I mean, we've heard suggested the idea of, of climate lockdowns, for example. Are they going to put their fist down with this as well? Say, no, we are being serious. It's hard to tell, isn't it? I mean, what's it called? That Babylon B website um, created a video, I think, yesterday where uh, Apple released its, its latest iPhone, uh, the best feature of which was that you could only unlock it if you were vaccinated against COVID. You showed your pass. And it's you sort of look at the headline and think, well, yeah, I, I um, I'm not in total disbelief. It's it's getting harder and harder to tell which is the uh, the phony headline and which is the accurate. So there's a quote here from the the French health minister Olivier Varane, which is just one of the darkest things I've ever read. It says um, most of the suspensions are only temporary, as many have decided to get vaccinated as they see that vaccination mandate is a reality. Right. Yeah. Basically, 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 what he's saying is that they came around because they realised we aren't we aren't messing about here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in in Italy as well, which is one of the other countries we we're going to talk about, we see a similar situation where they have just announced that all workers—that's public sector, private sector, self-employed—all workers must have a COVID green pass. Now, again, I think that involves. Um, recent testing or recent recovery from the virus but one of the italian ministers was very open in saying that the purpose of the green pass uh, mandation was to increase the vaccine program that was the whole point of it even if you could get away with being tested they knew for a fact that most people aren't going to be bothered about going testing all the time because i think a point worth realizing is that most people who haven't been well maybe not most but i'd say a good portion of the people and this is speculative but uh, who haven't been vaccinated probably haven't been vaccinated because they've not been bothered they're not bothered about being vaccinated they don't see the point they're not massively against it they don't think they're going to get you know some uh, what do you call it some microchip injected into them they don't think it's going to kill them with a blood shot and they're not that bothered about government decrees they're just not bothered they just go along with life and you know uh do some things don't do others but 
to make their life a little bit easier when something like this comes in, they'll go, oh, all right, I'll get it then, because they're not too against it. And the Italian government recognised that they've enforced it for all workers. They think it's going to increase vaccination uptake. I'm inclined to agree with them. Um, and we were saying um, before we started that it's worth remembering the first European country to go into lockdown was Italy. And Noel Ferguson from Imperial College London, uh, later uh, when interviewed by the Times, admitted that he and the other modelers thought, well, we should lock down, but we'd never get away with it here. We couldn't lock down. That's what China does. But then it saw Italy locking down and it thought, ah, we can do it here. Um, you know, maybe it's the same with workers in this country. They're trying to get care home staff to be vaccinated, including those who go into care homes, hairdressers, plumbers, electricians, so on and so forth. So why can't and why won't they do the same for other people? Uh, they might do wider NHS. And for all we know, they might do in in every other sector as well. Certainly not inconceivable. Mm. Mm. Yes, no. Um it just it it baffles me that of all the of all the things that could possibly happen, it's this that that brings in this level of sort of synchronized tyranny around the Western world, a virus that you have about a 98, 99% chance of surviving. Mm. It's it's so like it's so Kafkaesque because you 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 can just you see a virus that's obviously been blown so far out of proportion. You know, as I said at the start, you know, death rates inflated, case rates inflated, long COVID is probably a complete psyop. It 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 just asks questions as to whether or not this is actually about a virus, and at this point, I just can't see that. One thing about um, this whole thing that that really kind of I'm seeing now only in retrospect is how the first lockdown was what, what I call tweeified where, you know, like take, take Italy for instance, right? Italy being the first Western nation to go into a full lockdown. There are all these, you know, sort of faux inspirational videos of Italians on their balconies, you know, singing songs together and you know, playing guitars and pianos and whatever. And there was this whole, you know, manufactured uh, image of you know the community rises above struggle and that sort of thing and even here in the uk you know we were doing the that god-awful clapping nonsense and people were you know going about how they're, they're oh I'm a, i've just made sourdough or i'm learning the banjo i'm learning french and it was completely tweified and it was almost always coming at least in the uk from like upper middle class commentariat types who could afford to live in some material comfort because they're on furlough. Yeah, it, it it showed it shows just how one side of this whole thing was. Where again, the the affluent classes love lockdowns because it gives them a chance to you know bug man out and sit and watch a Netflix marathon and get pissed at two two p.m. and you know and, and make sourdough. Whereas if you're you know if you're less well off if you're living you know on the thirteenth floor of a tower block. Um, you have no garden. You have no natural sunlight unless you stick your head out the window. It's 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 a it's an exercise in in sort of you know semi prison status. Mm. And um, but, but again, it's it's that's what that's what happens is you know these these ghastly things are tweified and made made to look like you know oh I'm just doing my bit when really we were setting the precedent for a level of public control unprecedented in the post war years. Yeah, I think I've said on this before that I used to um, work in a shop during 
the main period of lockdown i worked from march till march it started on the day that first lockdown started and the reason I, I bring this up is that uh when i did the early shifts which was most of the shifts i had to put the newspapers out and on weekends i had to put the inserts in the papers now you've got to bear in mind i live in a um it the only people who come in early to buy the papers are older people the only reason they buy the papers especially on the weekends is for the inserts right they buy it because it's got the tv times in it and it's got the crosswords and it's got the celebrity interviews now on the cover of every one of these almost always was some celebrity or journalist or tv personality whatever saying how much they'd loved lockdown what a great chance it was to unwind. Look at all the hobbies I've refound during lockdown. Look at all the, 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 the things I've been able to do in the time that I normally would be commuting to work. Look at the extra time I've had with my family. It's been wonderful. Um, so this was, this was the message that was really honed in by the sort of celebrity and, and commentary class. But as you said, Sam, if you can afford um, to spend monies on, on on old hobbies and if you have a large garden that's all very well and good but if you don't you still have to go to long grueling hours of work uh, and you you can't afford all these luxuries then actually life was pretty miserable um and and the prospect of it being reintroduced this winter as is being dangled over our heads is terrifying it, so it, 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 it really affects the way you live but here's the thing right and it's going to be right and the reason i know it's going to be is because there's there's like you know, there's there's talk of it in the press, right? Mm -hmm. This is this has been the pattern throughout this entire process where there's the government comes out and says, No, we're not we're not doing this and then the conversation starts in the press and then it goes bigger and bigger and bigger and then suddenly it's in. Like the the idea that this was that we came out of lockdown for the last time in July was utter nonsense. Yeah. We we we're going to go back into one. Like that and and the the fact that it's been talking about in the press is the almost the literal writing on the wall. And uh, also, it's worth bearing in mind that we're already talking about the next pandemic. We increasingly we see headlines on the next pandemic, and my my worry here is that what will happen is that something will come up, a new virus will emerge, it will start spreading to a few countries, and straight away, because we'll have spent so many decades talking about the next pandemic. The, the first thing we'll do is lockdown instantly because you know even before we've worked out how transmissible it is um how deadly it is whether it's equally deadly for children and old people or not and whether we should be focusing protection on certain age groups whatever before any of that we'll lockdown we'll close the schools um and, and and close off the rest of society in fact because that's just what we do now if if a virus emerges and it starts spreading, we lock down, we close the doors, we pull down the shutters. Um, and that, I, I, I feel, is a sort of an, an ingrained response now. We've set the precedent. Yes. Exactly. The precedent has, has been set. That was irreversible. And everyone who went along with the first lockdown, including myself, and I, I'm not letting myself off the hook here, because I, 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 will, I will take the shame of being in favour of the first lockdown to my grave. But we're, we're, we're in a way we're all to blame for this because we all you know, very very few people. I mean, I, I can think of maybe Pierce Corbin and Peter Hitchens being the two public figures who actually from the start had the spine to say no, this is not worth it because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna open Pandora's box here and you don't you don't close Pandora's box. Mm. It, the box is open and, and all sorts of you know nastiness is now flying about and and that's gonna be the response because it's been not only 
set and precedent in terms of the application of it via the, um, the, 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 the government apparatus, but also in the minds of, of most of the public. That's the most important part of all this. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that the government did it, it's that we went along with it. That's, that's the most important. It's, it's changed completely, or at least it should have done, actually, for many, it probably hasn't. But it's changed completely our, at least, view of British liberty, which is supposed to be, you know, we always hear this trope of British values that should be taught at schools, apparently. And, and one of the main things, um, even though, as I said, is a trope, one of the main things that we say back is, is British values. And the left sort of criticise the right for this when we say, oh, Magna Carta, Avis Corpus, all these uh, really important devices in our lives and in our, um, in our freedoms. But we've just trashed them all. We, we might as well throw them all in the fire because it just in those last 18 months, well, actually in less time than that, just in the three weeks where we said, yes, we will lock down, we'll accept your word on this and uh, we will not see our friends, we will not see our loved ones, we won't go to work, we won't go to engage in our normal social activities and we won't send our children to school. <laughs> that was when we uh, we maybe not killed liberty because obviously for that to have taken place, the, the shift in mindset had already occurred, but that was the the final uh, final nail, I think. British liberty now lives on borrowed time. Yes, it lives it it lives with permission from authority, which is the exact antithesis of what liberty is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, is a, a, as jolly uh, a point we're going to get to, um, and as nice a point. So we'll we'll end on that. Uh, thank you, Sam, for joining me today and for not playing darts too late. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed it and hope that you join us again next week.